from Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. We're going to be looking at a few verses of scripture there. You know, I want to recount a story that happened to me um, uh, when we first moved to Hull. Uh, for those of you who know, when I, when I took over the ministry back in January 2022, um, I was commuting, commuting from Derby for a good couple of months until the April of that year till we finally uh, found a, a accommodation and was able to move the family up. But when we moved up in the very first week, of moving up, uh, you know, the kids were exploring the house and so on. They decided to play hide and seek in the house. Um, I had taken a week off at work as well so I could just accommodate all this stuff. Uh, but the kids were playing and, you know, my house can get, with four kids, it can get a little bit loud sometimes. You know, that, that is what it is. Um, loudness is a sign of, of life. If it was too quiet, then I would get concerned. I'm like, what are these kids up to? Come on now. But I remember there was playing hide and seek, um, and all of a sudden I hear crying. And sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you know it's not, they're not crying wolves. Sometimes I just assess the cries. And there's certain cries that I hear, I'm like, okay, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. You know, it, it just happens. Somebody tripped up, they'll be fine. Be, you know. But this cry was, uh, it was one of those cries where I thought, oh, you'll be fine. Just, just shake it off kind of thing, you'll be fine. But it, it prolonged, and it was my oldest, Naomi. And she doesn't, you know, if she cried, she, you know, it takes something for, to make her cry. But she was prolonging the cry. And I was like, okay, this has gone over to level two of crying now. So I need to get up from my office. It's moved from level one. Let me do something about this now. And I came and she says, um, um, something's happened to my hand. Something's happened to my hand. And I'm like, okay, maybe you hit it or, or, or something like that. It's fine. She says, uh, Micah accidentally slammed it in the door. And I was like, oh, okay, this could be bad. <laughs> Um, and God bless her, man. God bless her heart. She's like, it's okay, Mike. It was an accident. It's okay. Even though she's in pain, saying, it's okay. It's an accident. It's an accident. I was like, let me see what's going on here. I looked at the hand. It was the wrong hand. I was like, okay, your hand is fine. I don't like, know. No, it's not this hand. Then she pulled up the hand. I was like, oh, dear Lord Jesus. There was blood everywhere. The thing was just spurting out blood. And, and usually I'm the one that's kind of like, okay, everybody calm down. <laughs> Everybody come. When I saw the blood, my, my legs started going a little bit weak. <laughs> I was like, I, and then I remembered, I was like, no, if I faint, then who's going who's gonna to calm everyone else down? I, I had to keep it together. So I'm trying to keep it together, but I'm trying not to faint. I'm trying to keep it. I'm like, calm down, everybody. Calm down. And the blood was there. But she was running and it was going everywhere. It was going on the walls. I'm like, stop, stop running around. And I recount that story because I was fine until I saw the blood is when I saw the blood, that thing started to change. When I saw the blood coming, the, the, the situation was different now. Now it just wasn't just an accident, a normal accident that happened. When I saw the blood, the whole situation changed. And that's what I want to kind of bring to your attention today, the difference that blood can make. You know, I was looking at criminology and forensic science. One of my friends, they did that in university. Um, and what it is, is the application of scientific methods and techniques to uh, investigate. And they bring that and they use it in the court of law. But what makes a crime scene? There's many things that make a crime scene, weapons and so on. Uh, but one thing that makes a crime scene is blood. 
If there's blood all over the seat, that becomes a crime scene. They say, I remember there's someone outside here. We came to our, our church service one day, a normal Sunday. Um, and people be ringing me saying, Pastor, it's going down at church. I'm like, praise God. People want to come in. It's like, no, it's not that type of going down. There's a fight outside church. And, and, and there was blood all over our, our door and all over our floor and so on. Uh, and, and what the police wanted to do was cordon the place off because there's blood there. It's a crime scene. Praise God, before the police got, was able to quickly wash it off so they didn't cordon it off and cancel our service. But they would have done because it's, because it's blood. There's a crime scene. And I want to talk to you about how significant blood is and how it changes things completely. Because how many know blood is not like any other fluid? Can you say amen in this place? Blood is completely different to any other kind of fluid that we come into contact with. It has an association that comes with it. There is a significance because anything else can be spilled. But the time you spill blood, you know something serious has happened. Blood can change your appetite. Is when I go to my go to a, you know go to a restaurant, my wife or something, and she she's daring. She orders the steak. <laughs> she says, "Listen, make sure." <laughs> Make sure the thing is not only well done. Make sure it is triple well done. I don't know if anyone's the same here in this place. She, said, she, she says, one spot of blood, I'm not in the whole thing. The whole plate is ruined. One spot of blood. Now, me, I've changed. I've gone to medium now. I can enjoy that kind of stuff. It's a blessing. But her is on one spot of blood. The whole appetite, the whole everything is gone. She doesn't even want to eat no more. Because blood changes things. I remember there was a conversation with my friend and we're talking, catching up with life and he's talking about um, health and so on. And he's saying I had a cough and I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe you should take some cough medicine. Then he said he coughed up blood. The whole conversation changed because blood has the power to do that. When blood is involved, things change. The environment changes. Listen, we can go back to Genesis 37 when the brothers, they had a plan to, to get rid of Joseph. What they did, we understand the story. They took his coat of many colors and they dipped it in what? They dipped it in blood and they took it back to their father. They didn't even say anything. They just presented the coat with blood on it and he came to his own conclusions of something terrible has happened here. Because when you see blood, things happen. Listen, there was no CCTV. No one saw what happened. But when he saw the coat and he saw the blood, things changed. People change when they see blood. Dare I say, even God himself changes when he sees the blood. We see in Exodus when Moses was ordained by God himself to take the people out of Egypt. We know the story when it came to bring them out. The last plague that God set on the Egyptians was he's going to take the firstborn. And he gave Moses some instructions to tell the people, to tell the children of Israel. He said, listen, go into your houses and take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And the Bible says in Exodus 12 and verse number 13, it says, the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying and listen to this it says when I see the blood I will pass over you and this plague of death will not touch you just imagine if they put anything else apart from blood listen their firstborn would have died if they had put gold or silver on the doors firstborn would have died they would have written a scripture saying God I'm a Christian and pass over this house their firstborn would have died because blood has significance. And I said all that uh, to read our text. I've not forgotten about our text. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 17, we're going to read uh, that blood is different. And it goes all the way back to uh, Leviticus chapter, sorry, chapter 17, verse number 10. The Bible says, uh, 
And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is his blood given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. That's why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That's why I've said to the people of Israel, you must not eat or drink the blood, for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Life is in the blood. It said it three times there, life is in the blood. Turn to your, tell your neighbor that life is in the blood right here. Come on now. That's why it's so important to talk about blood because God is letting us know that the blood, there is life in the blood. And of course, I'm not just talking about any type of blood. Of course, I'm talking about the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Listen, we sing wonderful songs. We sing, oh, the blood of Jesus. We sing, there is power in the blood. We sing nothing but the blood of Jesus because we have to understand the significance of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. If we read verse number 11 of our text again, it says, for the life of the body is in its blood. And I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. And we understand in those days, it was uh, the purification was come by the blood of an animal. We had to sacrifice, or they had to sacrifice animals in order to be purified from sin. But we understand the greatest, this was a foreshadow of the master plan that Jesus Christ, the greatest of all sacrifices, would then be able to pay for us and purify us. And that's why we read in Hebrews 9 and verse number 13, it says, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes and a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deed so that we can worship the living God. But by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Life is in the blood because the blood of Jesus for you, in the blood of Jesus, you can find life. Can you say amen in this place? The blood of Jesus differentiates him from all other religions because they were not ready or they were not willing to shed blood. But God himself came down and said, I'm going to pour out my life so that you can have life. And I'll move secondly to the sufficiency of the blood. You see, because the blood is sufficient for all The blood is sufficient for all. We just read it in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin, all unrighteousness. We need to understand what Jesus Christ did was paid in full. What Jesus Christ did is the end of. There's no other debt to settle. There's no other plan or no other accounts to follow up on. Jesus Christ, by shedding his life, paid the bill in complete fullness. There was nothing else to pay, nothing else added up to that. You can just have your life for free because of what Jesus Christ did. 
And I liken it to a time, I've used this illustration before, but I liken it to a time where I was uh, invited to a birthday party. Me and my wife was invited down to central London. They was having a birthday party there. Um, and, uh, you know, central London can get, back, can get quite expensive. Um, you know, so we had to plan, we had to budget. Okay, listen, if we're going down central London, uh, someone ain't eating. Either I'm eating, you're not eating. Or you're eating, I'm not eating. But, you know, or we can share the fries. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, it was back then, early days, uh, early days of marriage. So, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't quite happening. We had to use the, the finance and spread it like butter. Come on now. Who's, who's there? Was it just me? Come on now. So you had to plan that. So, so going out, you kind of just, you can't just go out and you order what you want. I order what I want. It wasn't like that. But to kind of plan that. So we got invited to central London to, for this birthday party. And we had that budget in our mind. And as we go there, um, uh, they had these things they call mocktails. I don't know if you guys come across that. It's, it's basically like all these fruit juices and stuff. And they put it like in the ice and they put some, some flowers and stuff on all this stuff. I just saw one of those. Uh, all I can see is pound signs. Come on now. I don't know if you're like me. <laughs> I just see pound signs. I'm, I'm already uh, uh, making a, a, a budget in saying, okay, listen, maybe I can have a sip and then give you a sip. And then, you know what I mean? Hey, it, was, it was tough for me early marriage. Come on now. Hey, praise God. God has provided amen right now. It's no longer tough, amen. God is good. Come on now. But back then, we had to do that. And I remember doing that budgeting. And then I said to the bartender, I was like, listen, do you, do you take card? Um, and he's like, of course we take card. He's like, what, what, what do you think this is? So I'm ready to pull out my card now and sweating, you know, thinking how much this is going to be. Yeah? Then my cousin who invited me to the birthday party, it was her birthday. She was turning 50. Yeah? She says, what do you think you're doing? I'm like, I'm trying to pay for my drink. God bless you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Amen. But she was visibly vexed. She's like, what are you, why are you doing that? And I'm under, I'm, I don't understand why she's so vexed. But the reason she's so vexed is that she was vexed because I'm trying to pay for something that she has already paid for. She said, it's paid for and just walked off. I'm like, what do you mean it's paid for? She said, I've paid for everything. Just get what you want and go. My countenance changed. Amen. I was like, amen. I was like, I have two of those. Can I have one of those, please? Can I have one? <laughs> Come on now. Listen, because it's completely paid for. And that's how foolish we are when God looks at us and we're trying to do something. We've done something wrong. We're trying to pay for it ourselves. We've, tried, we've done something. We're still so guilty. Thinking, oh, I've got to go and whip myself. I'm going to go fast for an entire two weeks. No food, no nothing. I'm going to put ashes on my clothes. And so on, trying to pay for something we've done when Jesus Christ has paid it all. Can you say amen in this place? Come on now. People are living their lives bound in bondage. Listen, many times I go out to preach on the streets and people say, listen, I'm not a fan of religion. I'm like, me neither. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not telling you to do this and do that and you must do this or must wear this or must eat that. No, I want to introduce you to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved you so much to say, listen, I'm going to come and pour out my life for you that you can have life in abundance that's what I try to preach to people but people don't understand because some people have a, have a hard time receiving things some people have a hard time receiving gifts and we have to understand this, this is too easy some people said oh that's too easy you mean that Jesus Christ can just wipe away every sin I'm like absolutely because people have a hard time receiving things Look at Romans 3 and verse number 20, 25. This is in the New Living Translation. It says that God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That's the only time people are made right with God. Not by what they do. 
Not by what they say, it is by believing that Jesus Christ shed his blood. We need to realize there is life and power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where I get my blessed assurance from. Not the deeds that I do. If you believe in Jesus Christ and accept the gift of salvation, God sees the blood. In other words, doesn't matter what you used to be. You used to be a sinner. Well, God sees blood. Come on now, you used to be addicted to drugs, heroin, alcohol, but now God sees the blood. You used to be uh, immoral, doing all sorts of nonsense, but now God sees the blood. The blood is on your doorpost. The, the angel of death has passed over and will continue to pass over as long as he sees the blood. In Exodus again, it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague of death shall not touch you. We know the wages of sin is death. But God said, I see the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that, and that plague of death will not touch you. Everybody believe that this morning. Come on now. Raise your hand if you believe that this morning. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. And I say that because I want to bring balance. Come on. Good preaching has balance. We need to understand that the blood has covered all. But some people use the blood as a cover-up. Let that one sink a little bit. I understand. We understand. We've just been talking about the blood covers all. But some people are using the blood as a cover-up. You're thinking, what? Are you saying the same thing? No, I'm saying slightly different things here. Because we can do, we can say it's under the blood. I mean, I saw a YouTube video. His name is Pastor Greg Mitchell. It's funny. Pastor Greg Mitchell is actually the leader of our fellowship as well. This guy is a Jamaican pastor and he's talking about a situation where he sings and he sings a song, Under the Blood. It's one of those songs that if you hear it once, it just goes on and on and in your head. Search it, but Greg Mitchell, Under the Blood, and then you'll be singing it next week. But the reason I say that is because many people use that phrase, hey, it's under the blood. But then continue on doing the things that the blood is meant to wipe clean. Come on, how many know those people in Exodus? When, when God said, I want you to put the blood on the doorpost, he commanded them to do things. There was obedience. In other words, I want you, yes, I want you to put the blood over the doorpost. But he gave them all sorts of things. And when you gather together, I want you to boil the lamb. I want you to do this and do that. There is things, there is levels to this. Listen, the blood of Jesus covers all but should not be used as a cover-up. Now, I don't know if you have memory here with Pastor Glenn. He came to preach, the leader of Nigerian Fellowship. If you must remember Pastor Glenn, he came to preach it. He told me a story. I think I've said it before, but it's one of those stories I would never forget. Never forget. He said he was in church one time in, in, in Lagos, Nigeria, in Ikeja. Um, he was there in church, and somebody came to church, like panicked, said, Pastor, please pray for me. And, and you know, Pastor Glenn, he's a wise man. He doesn't just go out there and just say, okay, all right, let's just pray and just put his hand in. No, he wants some, you know, he's, he prays specific prayers. So he says, okay, what do you want me to pray for? And the guy says, no, pastor, just pray for me. And this guy says, you're not getting this, man. Listen, what do you want me to pray for? What, what do I petition God for on your behalf? What do you want to, what, what is it, finances? He says, pastor, just pray. And he went back and forth like this until he said, listen, I'm not praying for you until you tell me what you want me to pray for. <laughs> The guy said, uh, uh, I'm about to go on a mission. I need you to pray for me. 
And again, you know, carry on. He's being vague. And, and again, five minutes went by. What? And, he and he let it out. He says, okay, what's going to happen is I'm, me and my friends, we're going to go. And we've got some guns. We're going to go and rob a bank. We're going to go on an armed robbery mission. I want you to pray that I make it out alive. <laughs> what kind of foolishness? He wants to use the blood of Jesus as a cover-up. Hey, give me some of that blood, man. So when the police come, they see the blood as well. Hey, it wasn't me. The blood of Jesus covers all, but it's not a cover-up. Praise God. He is a man of God. He said, listen, if you go and go to that place, you are going to die. You're going to lose your life. I'm not going to pray for protection. You need to stop. What I'm going to pray for is wisdom. Come on now. Thank God the guy did not go. His friends went and go Went and went and went to the um, uh, bank to go. They went ahead with the mission, quote unquote. All of them lost their life. There was a massive shootout with them and the police. They all lost their life. If this guy would have went there with him, he would have lost his life too. Destiny would have been shattered because this guy is trying to use the blood of Jesus as a cover-up. Come on, we need to accept the blood of Jesus. But when you accept, we understand the significance of blood. We know that Jesus poured out his life. When we understand the significance of the blood, we need to look at that blood and say, Dear Lord, how can I look and sin against God when he paid such a heavy price for me? When he purchased me with his own blood, you should walk into work. And that lady that's trying to flirt with you, you say, Lord God, how can I flirt with this woman when Jesus Christ? paid the price for me come on now you know what I'm saying don't look at me all holy holy like I'm just no, no, I'm talking nonsense you know exactly what I'm saying you should go in and say how can I try and make money illegally when God shed his blood to cover me for sin and I'm going to go and do this and do this and, 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 and do some 419 amen if you know you know what that means come on how can I do this when the blood of Jesus Christ was shed to wash my sins how can I live like this how can I live immoral like this when Jesus Jesus Christ's blood was shed for me. Come on, when you understand the significance of the blood, it will change your desires. When you understand that Jesus Christ hung on that cross, he didn't, uh, uh, no one took his life, he laid down his life. When you understand the power of that, you would then change your desires. It's the blood that sets you free. Nothing else sets you free. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to move on finally. Then talking about the blood. You know, there's one thing called um, the elevator pitch. Um, and what that is, is it's like a, 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 um, it's a, a corporate term where they're saying if you were to meet an, uh, the CEO of the company and you had an idea, you're going to be with him in a lift or an elevator. You've only got a short window to tell them. And, um, you know, your idea and see if you get back in. So they say you've got about two minutes to tell them. They call it an elevator pitch. And I always say, you know, one of the things I go out and I say, you know, to people that go out to preach to people in the streets or witness or tell someone about Jesus Christ, um, you've got an elevator pitch. You've got a little two-minute window. There's so many things I could tell you about, about the Christian faith, so many things I could present to you. Um, but one of the first things I'm going to present to you um, is about the blood of Jesus Christ. If I hear preaching... For the first time, and, I, and, I, and it takes me weeks to hear about the blood of Jesus Christ, something is up. You need to bring out the blood of Jesus Christ because that's what's going to change people. Can you say amen in this place? 
When people get to understand the blood of Jesus Christ, that is when they're going to understand salvation. And when we understand the life that comes with it, that's when people are going to make a decision to turn away from sin because they understand, man, if he is willing to shed blood for me, if he's willing to pour out his life for me, then there must be something to this man. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. When we tell people about our Christian faith, we need to tell them about the life they could have in the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to tell them about the protection they can have in the blood of Jesus Christ. And sometimes Christianity is sold with all sorts of other byproducts rather than the main event and the main event is the cross of Calvary the main event is being washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ becoming fresh becoming brand new because we read before when Christ or when God sees the blood then he will pass over we need to make sure that people around us in our family in our workplaces in our circles they know about the precious blood of Jesus Christ can you say amen in this place we need to understand the blood for ourselves. We need to not use it as a cover-up, but we need to tell people about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, many times people want to get into debates about all sorts of high and lofty things. But I'm like, forget all that. What does Jesus Christ mean to you? What does the blood of Jesus Christ mean to you in this place? How does it affect your daily habits? How does it affect your decisions? How does it affect what you do, where you live, what you watch? How does it affect what you get involved in? Because sometimes we make it about other things when it's all about the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus, as the song goes. It's all about the blood of Jesus Christ, and that will wash us white as snow. Listen, God is speaking to somebody here in this place. God is speaking to you in this place. You've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been washed. But says along the way, some things have come. Along the way, some things have interrupted. And now it's no longer about the blood of Jesus Christ. Now it's about uh, what can God do for me? Uh, what can God open up for me? And listen, we pray for our things. We petition God. But we always need to come back. God has already done everything for you. God has already given everything for you. When you give your life, how I many know that's, that's all you've got to give? That's all you have. He's already done that. So when we think about the blood, it makes us grateful. One of the things I teach my kids is to be grateful. Nothing worse than seeing an ungrateful child. You give them something um, and they're not grateful for what they have. Listen, when you think about the blood of Jesus Christ, it makes you grateful. It brings gratefulness. It brings thanksgiving. We need to have the blood of Christ always on our mind so that we can be grateful, so that we can remember what God has done in our lives. Listen, there is power, there is life in the blood, and we need to remember that in all that we do, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us the men and women we are today. Let's not forget the power of the blood. Let's not forget the type of blood. Let's not forget the very life source that God has shed for us. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. There is life in the blood.